Welcome to Oddly On Air, where we expand teaching and learning perspectives by connecting theory and practice through conversations with expert Westchester University faculty and members of the Office of Digital Learning and Innovation. And now, to our hosts. Hello, and welcome back to Oddly On Air. I'm Jess Drass, a learning technologist in the Office of Digital Learning and Innovation, and I'm here today with my co-host... Hi, everyone. I'm Madison Steinbrenner. I am one of the instructional designers in the Office of Digital Learning and Innovation. We are very excited to welcome our guest today, Dr. Kim Johnson, an associate professor in the mathematics department here at WCU. Kim, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Uh, Our pleasure. (laughs) Um, So Kim is going to tell us about her use of H5P to support inclusive and equity-minded course design in her undergraduate math courses. For those of you who are unfamiliar with H5P, this is a tool that allows users to create interactive HTML-based activities, such as uh, drag-and-drop activities, click on a hotspot, little self-check quizzes, etc., And um, they can be easily embedded and integrated into our learning management system, D2L. I always think it's easier to demonstrate than explain this tool. So we'll put a little demo link in the show notes so that you can get an idea of what the tool is and how it works and how students interact with it. As the administrator of H5P here at WCU, I've personally been a longtime fan of this tool. I think it's a huge help with making course content more interactive and engaging for students, but I'm especially impressed with the way that, Kim, you've been using it. Before we get into that, though, could you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and the courses you teach here? So I'm in the math department, but my degree is actually in curriculum and instruction, and I teach a lot of the math courses that are for elementary education majors and middle grades teachers. So my focus is a lot on how to teach mathematics. So I focus a lot on the interaction of mathematics learning and understanding. So it's not just about kind of do computations. It's about understanding the why and the how behind those computations so that you can later teach them to someone else as an educator. That's actually cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've ever considered that like aspect of the math department either. Like I feel like at the college level you think like okay these are the people that want to like find new math. (laughs) (laughs) Invent. Reinvent. Or not reinvent but you know. Yeah. I want to understand how you learn math. Yeah. So what was the problem that you wanted to address in your courses, and how did you arrive at using H5P to come up with a solution? So what happened is that uh, two of my colleagues, Brian Bowen and Emily Miller, had created through Westchester's e-textbook initiative, had written a um, textbook for our Math 101 um, courses so that our students wouldn't have to purchase a textbook. So we were finding that the textbooks really didn't cover the material we wanted. They were too broad. They weren't really getting in depth at the content that we wanted them to understand. So they decided to use the textbook initiative and just write their own textbook. But then that left us in a place where we didn't have homework for them to do. We could give them paper homework, but with class sizes that are really large, we wanted to have a homework base that allowed it to be self-correcting. So we were, again, having students purchase something like My Math Lab or the online Alex 
to go along with the textbook, which kind of eliminated the whole idea of the the equity thing of, oh, let's not have our students have to purchase textbooks because if you're buying the online access to the homework through these publishers, it's basically the same cost as buying the e-textbook. So we had this nice textbook. And additionally, the assignments that were on Alex or these other platforms weren't really what we wanted. They were more of a calculation-based type thing. So, you know, do these calculations, but we wanted them to really conceptually understand things. And I looked at multiple platforms. We went out and we've looked at every single publisher's platform out there, and there just really wasn't anything out there that was meeting our needs. So Shippensburg holds an online integration technology type thing over winter break. And I went to that, and one of the colleagues here at Westchester, uh, I can't... Uh, uh, Shannon Merkich? Merkich, yes. It's a name that's hard to spell. <laughs> she did a session there, and I went to it, and I was like, oh, I never heard of this H5P. And I became fascinated with it, and so I started creating activities for one of my other courses, and then I was like, oh, Tom... Could I create a whole series of activities to go along with this e-textbook? And then maybe our students wouldn't have to purchase an online version of homework for them to do. absolutely. So what was the process like of building out those activities, deciding, you know, what activities you need to include, how many, how to organize them? (laughs) Yeah, um, so that came down to basically the textbook that we had created So we knew how we wanted the course kind of set up. And obviously, having taught the course, that helps. We do a lot with, again, I said, conceptual understanding of how numbers work. And we kind of have our teachers or future teachers work in a base five, even though we work in base 10. So we're like, how can we confuse their understanding, but also make them grow and understand place value and stuff like that differently? So we use base five, but we wanted them to use understand how manipulatives and how concrete objects can help them understand that better because it helps young kids do that, right? Right. Um, so the the process kind of went about, I need to do this in a way that's very visual and very um, hands-on, and drop-and-drag activities were the way to go in H5P. I played around with all the different types of activities that they had, And I landed on the drop and drag activities. And then throughout the summer, as I was working on these, there were different obstacles that had to be overcome at different places. Like if I wanted them to have two blocks in a certain spot, I don't want to just put two blocks out. That's going to be too obvious for the answer. So, (laughs) but if they put block one and block four in there, it's going to mark it wrong when they go to check it. So I had to be creative in terms of, okay, okay, we're going to have to label each block that they use. And so, yeah, (laughs) so there's little learning curves like that and, and trying to be creative of how to get around some of the nuances of the limitations to the platform. Right. Yeah. And I know, especially with the drag and drops, when you set it up, you set up the item that's going to be dragged to the box and you can check off like these are the boxes that you can drag it to. So I figured out quickly, you have to be careful to like differentiate between that and like what, like setting up what the correct box is. Because if you say like, oh, you can drag it to box one and don't check off any of the boxes, then it's going to highlight box one yeah. <laughs> when they click on that object. And it's going to be like, well, that's obviously the answer. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So you said that you use 
you you landed on the drag and drop. Are there any other activity types that you? So the drag and drop with the column activity. So I do drag and drop with columns so that initially I was like just doing drag and drop. And so that would only do one drag and drop. And I was like, but I want to have like three or four of them. I don't want to just have individual. So then I realized, oh, I can do a column activity, which lets me do multiple types of activities within one activity. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I like that. We'll definitely put a sample of that in the show notes uh, for everyone so you can kind of better visualize what we're talking about. Yeah. How do you um, track students' participation or, like, completion with the H5P activities? So H5P can be set up to link right to D2L, which is wonderful because they can – it'll put a grade in for it. So – and I also have it set – you can have different settings in H5P where it will let them recheck it as many times as they want. And that's what I do. I'm like, well, you can do it as many times as you want. You can do it 5 million times, (laughs) and it's going to take the best grade that you want. And then it puts that grade into the grade book for us. Awesome. Super easy, too. (laughs) It's super easy. And so, like, at the end of the semester, students will be like, well, I didn't do the homework from week one. And I can be like, well, go back and do it. You know, it'll put (laughs) the grade in for you. It doesn't matter to me at this point, right? Uh, If if it's going to help you learn something, go for it. But... It, it also eliminates me having to go back in to have to regrade things, yeah. but it gives them the chance to learn those things that they maybe missed or missed out on. One of the comments that I've gotten is that they don't like that it resets. So, like, if they get it wrong, okay, yeah. so if they don't get it perfect and then they want to retry, it puts everything back. <laughs> and so I've come to realize that means making smaller answer sets. Yeah, like smaller activities. Yeah, And those activities, like, I'm assuming, do you embed them directly in your module pages? Do you have, like, separate module pages, or is it, like... I have each you know, week, I have a module Each page. week, so it, so it's within the weekly mm-hmm. module page. And they also, I also will copy and paste my module activities onto the announcement page, so they can go right in. And I thought that was going to be an issue in terms of the grading, but it yeah. turns out it's not. Oh, okay. That's actually, that's something I didn't know. So, <laughs> wow. so like if you have an activity embedded in, t- in a module and you copy and paste it into the announcement page, it won't create two different grading. But it'll pull the results from both. It'll pull the results from both. Okay. That's, that's good to know. Yeah. I would never have guessed that. So, since using H5P to remove the barrier of access for students, what have you noticed about student learning outcomes? So I created all these activities over the summer, and then I ended up teaching two sections of the course in the fall. We typically have large numbers of elementary education majors at Westchester. So yes. we, um, <laughs> as you can um, imagine. Teaching so, College of Pennsylvania. <laughs> So typically we have about five to six sections of Math 101 in the wow. in the fall, and they're large. So like I had like 40 students in each section, and they all have to take the same common final. And so I don't know, I was just sitting around one, at the end of the semester. I'm like, oh, everyone's taking the same final. I could compare the results from those final exams across yeah. the other sections who didn't use these activities because I created them. And though I created them and made them accessible to everybody everybody was like i just don't have time to be dealing with changing everything up i hadn't taught the course for a while so i was like i'm just going to use them because i just created them and i know what's in them right (laughs) and so uh, my students actually did score comparing the means from the other courses were statistically 
better than the other courses. Okay. That's awesome. And like you had your own control group built in there. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, everybody was, had the same content, but in different ways. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting to know that even it wasn't a huge statistically significant difference, it was a small, I mean, it was larger than 0.05, but enough that you can say it's statistically significant. Obviously, these activities weren't causing any harm, and they were free to the students. The students enjoyed them. I did an informal survey, informally asked students what they thought of them. And a lot of them were like, oh, I just like how, you know, we do something in class, and these activities really kind of build off with that, and I can go home and kind of play around with these and not worry about being harshly graded or whatever. That, And it's all right there, right in D2L. I don't have to worry about going out into another platform. Right. Yeah. They it, like that accessibility. Yeah, that was actually going to be our next question. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask, like, about the did student. you hear, like, any positives or any negatives from the students? So, Yeah. So um, comments like, you know, I think, uh, I think the modules work um, uh, that I do outside of class is the most beneficial official is what one student said. I think that uh, this because in class I fill out the notes and do problems and then I go home and I can apply that in the modules so that they, you know they can take exactly what we've done in class and see it on in the modules um, using the same manipulatives. It's hard because we have physical manipulatives in the math department but I obviously can't send them home with them because we only, we have yeah. class sets. <laughs> So these are virtual type manipulatives that they can use online. But we, again, I haven't found any platforms that actually use any of the manipulatives, digital manipulatives. There are some out there like that we could link to, but then that involves them going out to another site and going into Alex. And so they'd have like 5 million platforms trying to be working at the same time here. It was all in one place and they could. Yeah. And I know the other thing, like with some of our other third party tools, like they'll still need to go sign in either like redo that single sign-on or with different credentials. So it's really nice to note that with H5P, if it's integrated in your course, students do not need to register for anything. Mm -hmm. Um, It'll automatically, you know, figure out what user is that that completed the activity, and that's it. Right. And going back to the whole feedback thing, um, that connects to uh, this little article that we have here. I pressed the right button. I was scared I was going to press the wrong button. (laughs) Um, So from 2021, uh, this journal evaluation of the implementation of a learning object developed with H5P technology, uh, authored by Lopez Ramirez and Rodriguez, states that students report that they positively view H5P as a content learning object. So it seems like that theory tracks here in this use case, Um, especially, you know, giving them that extra opportunity for practice um, and the other benefits, you know, like with cost, it not being uh, an outside thing. So it's built right into the course already. They don't have to worry about, you know, purchasing a subscription or registering somewhere else. So and the ease of use, I think, helps, too, because it's all in D2L. Yeah, it's one platform. Um, I remember when we were went virtual and very last minute I used I used Nearpod so that we could be interactive, but students didn't like having multiple platforms that they were having to utilize, despite 
the interactiveness of it. Yeah. Do you have any advice for faculty that might be interested in using H5P? Um, play around with it, but really know it, what it is that you want students to get out of any activity that you give them. I also find that there were some other, like, there's little tweaks that you have to do, like fill in the blanks. So the backslash in H5P means something. Mm-hmm. So... Like if I wanted them to write fractions, I had to have them more use the slash going the other way. So I had to like make that really clear to my students. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So yeah. I want you to write, you know, two thirds, but I can't have you use the regular backslash because if you do that in H5P, um, it means multiple answers. So I had to, I had to do certain workarounds again to, to make things work. And students are okay with that. You just have to be really clear in your directions and yeah. and yeah. do some practice activities during class time. One or two of them is just saying that you can't. You know, you you're, you're going to have to use the other backslash, <laughs> not the not the one you think it should be. Yeah. And after they've after they realize that the first time, they're like, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah. You know. No, yeah. that makes sense, though, because I remember when I was in college, I had, like, a math class. We had to do math lab, and it was, like, they weren't clear like that. So if you put, like, a decimal zero, zero, it would say, like, oh, that's the wrong answer. We're looking for decimal zero, like, to the, you know, 10th place or whatever. And it was, like, well, it's the same answer. Just, like, <laughs> just be clear about what you want or, mm-hmm. like, what you're expecting. So yeah. I think that's probably really helpful for students because I would get so frustrated with math lab. Yes, and that still follows through in H five P. I think also what you're saying about you know faculty making sure like you know what you want to accomplish with the activity. I think that's huge, especially with this tool, because um, there are dozens of different activity types. I can't even name them all. There's like branching <laughs> scenarios. You can create quiz sets. You can even do ones that like don't even grade anything. Like you can make little flashcards that you embed in your right. courses and stuff like that. So. I always encourage faculty to like explore the different content types, but really think about like what do we want to do mm-hmm. and what activity type is going to be the most streamlined to get us there. Another thing that I found was like the interactive videos were easier to create. No offense to you, or the uh, one on D two L. What is it called again? Panopto. Pan- uh, Panopto. Um, <laughs> the interactive videos in H five P are much easier to create and um, use, and there's a lot more. I'm, I don't know actually. I don't know a lot about Panopto, but I just know it's very easy to create them in H five P, and yeah. you can, and you can embed them right into your modules. And I've used a lot of the interactive videos because they are um, the only other downside is at the end, very end the students have to submit it and that's another learning curve thing that once the students have done it once it's yeah because if they don't hit submit and it's not recorded they're like i already did it you're yeah. like well you didn't press submit. <laughs> you gotta <laughs> do it again yeah. um, but it was only a five minute video you can do it again it won't hurt you to watch it again <laughs> yes but it is it is nice they have pretty good documentation on the mm-hmm. different activity types. Like when you go into the interface and you pick what activity you want to create, there's usually like a step-by-step tutorial that you can yes. click the link to right at the top of the page to walk you through exactly how to put it together. So right. I think that's really nice. H5P, the, the activities are very clearly marked, and you can sign up for a free 
H5P account, I guess you would call it? Yeah, yeah, at h5p.org, they have, like, the free trial version. Mm -hmm. So you can go in, um, play with it, create different activities. I think they do uh, expire after, like, either 30 or 90 days. But at least, you know, if it's a tool that uh, you want to try out, you're not sure how you feel about it, want to get some hands-on action there, you can check that out. And you can create activities to share with others too. So my department is uh, exploring, you know, other people using the activities and then that I've created and using, utilizing them in other sections. So um, hopefully in the fall, this textbook adoption will be adopted with these activities so that. Oh, that's really cool. They yeah. Put them in there. Yeah. Tom, okay. Tom set up um, modules on a, a separate D2L page, mm-hmm. like a, a D2L page that other people can access. So it's yeah. not like my personal D2L page. And so I have all those modules set up in there. And so I can go in and um, tweak them and set up for the whole course so that anybody who's teaching the course can just come in and say, okay, I'm going to download the 15-week modules and make changes as I want to and utilize the activities that are already set up or delete the activities if I don't want them or um, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and that makes it a, the course is a little bit more standardized across yeah. the sections. Yeah, definitely. So to anyone who may be interested in learning more about H5P or exploring H5P or uh, seeing it a little bit up close and personal outside of the demo that we have in our show notes, um, <laughs> you, can, can, you can contact me, Jess Drass, at jdrass at wcupa.edu. I'll put my email in the show notes, and also a link to my bookings calendar if you ever want to just, you know, set up a little brief consultation with me. That bookings calendar link uh, has my most up-to-date availability, so you can just throw something on my calendar and we can meet. We have a couple more fun questions that we like to round out the episode. <laughs> so um, the first is, what is bringing you joy these days? Um, travelings. <laughs> Do you go anywhere fun? I'm getting ready to go on a trip to Portugal at the end of, after the semester. So I'm planning, I like to plan trips. So I'm in the process of planning where we're going when we get there. That's my favorite uh, part too. Yeah. yeah. Exciting everywhere. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So traveling and, uh, getting to go places over the summer with my husband and, uh, seeing the world that we were so closed up against over the (laughs) pandemic years. So awesome. (laughs) Jess, what is bringing you joy? So this is actually pretty funny. My dad and I are planning on going to this music festival in October. It's called Power Trip. It's going to be like Guns N' Roses, Ozzy Osbourne or whatever. He really wants to go. And I think it'll be fun. It's in California. So that's fun. You get to go to California twice over the summer then. I know. For a conference and for music. What's what's bringing you joy, Madison? Currently, when we're recording this, it's the beginning of April, and it's like 80 degrees already. Yes. So I'm very happy about that. I hope we don't go back below 50 because I like the warm weather. What's one resource or teaching tip that you'd like to share? Resource or teaching tip. Well, one thing that I've been doing a lot of with my students is a lot of reflective work. So with these H5P activities, one thing that I realized was that they were doing these activities and 
there wasn't a lot of them explaining or writing things. So each week they had a quiz, but it wasn't your typical quiz. So their quizzes were, well, for two reasons I gave a quiz. One was because I had classes with them on Friday, and I wanted people to come to class on Friday, which they don't seem to do anymore. (laughs) Um, So... Friday's quizzes were done first 10 minutes of class. There was three problems, but they, I didn't collect them. Okay. They took them with them. I posted the answers online. They graded them themselves. Then they reflected on what they got right and wrong. And then they created problems like the ones on the quiz to do, to practice. Okay. And then they also, there was a question that reflected on one of the activities from the week that was in the modules. So, if it was adding or subtracting, it might be something to do with explain how you add or subtract or why this works or something like that, just so to get them to do more explaining than I wanted them to do on D2LB or in H5P because in H5P you can't grade anything where there's explanations. Right. So um, this was a, it's a situation where once a week I was doing like kind of a check-in where they were doing that. So... The students liked it because, well, some of them did. Um, they liked it because they weren't traditional quizzes. When I would ask, did you want a regular quiz? They're like, I don't think they wanted quizzes <laughs> yeah. at all. But, yeah. um, but they're like, no, I like these quizzes because it like kind of lets me know what we're, we were supposed to learn that week. It kind of like summarizes everything. Like they could use their notes or do whatever. They, the quiz was open notebook or whatever. Um, obviously, I wasn't grading them. They were grading them themselves. So they were. it was all about them. I'm really focused on students becoming lifelong learners and understanding how they learn and that learning is about what you understand and I might understand something differently than you do. Right. But it's about how do I get to the point where I understand something so that I can do it on my own and so that I can reflect on what I got right, what I got wrong, what what do I need to practice more of. Yeah. And I feel like reflection isn't something like that's done too often in math. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really cool idea. Kim, thank you so much for taking the time out to chat yeah, with us today. No problem. Uh, we appreciate you sharing your expertise and experience with us um, and the learning community. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in. We hope that you enjoyed learning about Kim's specific use case of H5P. And if you have any interest in being a future guest of Oddly On Air or have an idea for a future topic, please contact us at distanced at wcupa.edu. Stay odd.